are listening to the Issues on Appeal podcast, focusing on timely and timeless issues of appellate practice and professionalism. Here is your host, Dwayne Diker. Thanks for joining me for episode 58. Welcome to the sixth DCA. This show is again sponsored by Court Surety Bond Agency, the nation's leading surety agency specializing in supersedious bonds. More about CSBA later in the show. In this episode, I'm joined by appellate specialist Matt Canigliaro to discuss the Florida Supreme Court's recent opinion on redistricting the Florida District Courts of Appeal. Will there be a sixth district? Maybe so. So, Matt Canigliaro, welcome back to the Issues on Appeal podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here again. Matt, you were the original guest on the podcast back in March of 2019, so that was almost 60 episodes ago, so it was about time I had you back. (laughs) Well, thanks. Congratulations to you. (laughs) So I wanted to talk a little bit about this recent opinion of the Florida Supreme Court that came out on November 24th of 2021. It's in-ray redefinition of appellate districts and certification of need for additional appellate judges, which I think the the whole appellate community is probably talking about. And you and I are not insiders on this. We don't have any particular expertise, but we're sort of interested observers who, uh, you know, may have some some thoughts and some questions about uh, what we're going to see in the future. Well, I think that's probably a good way to describe it. You know, the appellate community watches these things from a bit of a distance and, a lot of questions come to mind and some observations come to mind. And it's probably a, a fun thing to talk through. And I think ultimately we're going to have a lot more questions and, than answers, but sometimes just asking the questions is, is fun and having the conversation. I think maybe we should start with just a little bit of history. I don't want this history to sound too second DCA centric, even though you and I both spend a lot of our time in the second DCA, but it, it all seems kind of related that, the, the second DCA was originally by statute headquartered in Lakeland. So everything sort of uh, from Lakeland west to Pasco and Polk counties and all the way down to Naples historically has been headquartered out of Lakeland. Well, yeah, Lakeland was the seat for the second DCA when the DCAs were created. So you know, originally it was just three DCAs, the first, second, and third first out of Tallahassee, the second out of Lakeland, and the third out of Miami. And and between them, they had the state. And it probably gives you some insight into uh, a little bit about the geography of the state. If you look at a map, those three locations actually make a lot of sense if you're going to divide the state into three districts. But as the the populations grew and, and the numbers grew and the need increased for additional appellate judges and and arguably additional districts, things got a little more peculiar in terms of where things went, or at least how they configured. So you ended up with the second DCA staying in in Lakeland or being in Lakeland. And then the fourth DCA was added into West Palm. And then the last change we had was 1979, late 70s, uh, with the creation of the fifth DCA. And the fifth DCA was, you know, basically the central eastern portion of the state. And it was largely created out of the fourth and in parts of the second. 
So you had two districts that were chopped up a bit to create the new fifth. And, you know, it says something about where the the political uh, strengths were at the time that, that the fifth ended up being headquartered in Daytona. Whereas, you know, it, it included Orange County and Orlando and, and even in the late 70s, Orlando, I think, was meaningfully larger of a metro area than, than Daytona was. Uh, but that's sort of how you had the districts end up where they were. And now in the last, really the last many years, it's things have been shifting, uh, partly because times change and there's just a need to update, right? We We had a a bit of a brouhaha some years ago when the first DCA moved out of its uh, sort of downtown Tallahassee, if you can use that phrase, <laughs> digs and and built a, a new uh, grand and, and beautiful courthouse on the, the south side of town and, uh, and, and very much needed as a facility. And then as you look around the state and look at the other courthouses, each one sort of has a story about what's happened how it's either expanded or or not. And the second story is particularly meaningful at this point because they've basically been displaced and they have been displaced for years. Yeah, when you and I were younger uh, appellate lawyers, uh, we I'm sure you, I know I did, spend a lot of time on I-4 driving over to Lakeland for her oral argument. and But then the second DCA opened a Tampa branch, which originally was in the uh, Hillsborough Court, uh, County Courthouse Annex way up. I think it was on the fifth floor or sixth floor or somewhere on the top yeah, of there. Sixth. Yeah, and then ultimately they moved to lease some space from the uh, Stetson College of Law and their downtown Tampa campus, which is where they, they are now. So for those of us who practice in Tampa, the court became a little bit more accessible. If we got a favorable OA setting, we could at least argue in Tampa instead of driving out to Lakeland. But but then that came to an end. Well, it, some folks, I think, don't appreciate that the Lakeland Courthouse was a problematic courthouse for, for many years. It had you know, sort of the, the sick building label attached to it, and by my understanding, for some very good reasons. And ultimately, it was abandoned. And I mean, today it's gone. So the court has effectively been residing in what's essentially a, a makeshift location within Stetson in downtown Tampa now for years and, you know, which led to the last few years and the big push for a new courthouse and, and different pushes and pulls coming from uh, different parts of the legislature to try to sort of duel over where that location should be with the, the biggest pushes coming from Polk County and, and Lakeland wanting the courthouse built or rebuilt back in Lakeland. And then as times change, other other areas sort of have their day. And in the recent day, a lot of folks from Pinellas have, have had some influence. And there was a big push to move the courthouse uh, to Pinellas. Right. And in, in 2016, I think it was late 2016, there was a a report issued. There was a second DCA space and location needs study that was published. And the, essentially the conclusion of the study was multiple parts. One was that the second DCA should consolidate to a, to a single courthouse uh, and that they should, that 
facility should be located in the Tampa Bay area, either Hillsborough or Pinellas County, and that the you know Lakeland facility had. I read a quote in the report, so it was beyond its economic and useful life, <laughs> which is probably probably an understatement given the yeah, <laughs> those were kind words issues, but and I think. Uh, Following that study, my understanding is that there was actually some potentially some real estate acquired in St. Petersburg for a, a new courthouse pending budgetary concerns and that sort of thing. Well, you're, you're right. The study played a role. And I think to some extent, the study was done to help give some shape and form to the need for a new courthouse uh, that the judges from the second DCA had been in the, the Stetson facility, I think, for years before that study was done. And the study reached a conclusion, I think, that most folks would have expected it to reach, which is that the caseload comes out of Hillsborough and Pinellas. The judges come from Hillsborough and Pinellas. And so a, a new courthouse probably should be located in Hillsborough or Pinellas. And... I think that spurred a lot of discussions. And as the legislature was taking this matter up in the last couple of years, the the, the powers, I think, really were, were sort of struggling between going back to Polk or ending up in Pinellas. There was some property, is some property in near downtown St. Petersburg that is, I think, state-owned. And was a, it was sort of an original, I shouldn't say original, it was uh, a site that was very much favored by certain people in the legislature. And ultimately, uh, what passed in the legislature was a, an appropriation that funded a new courthouse to be built in, in Pinellas County. And, and really, COVID in particular, I think, got in the way of of that happening and you know the money has been appropriated but the process now of of site selection and dealing with with all these issues has been i'm sure a bit difficult for for folks to move through as a process it it would be difficult in any circumstance even more difficult in the world of of covid so it, that's still the case what's happened since and as we've had this sort of stretched out process with COVID, is that the Supreme Court created a a work group for the purpose of looking at the the DCAs, their alignment, their geography, and and the potential questions about whether there should be a sixth district court of appeal. And, and that's the group that I think the order came out in May or so of this year. Right, it, it took some shape and form, and, and helped push this forward even more. Yeah, I think that's right. The, the well, in, in May, I think the committee was appointed. Um, the report came out on September thirtieth, twenty twenty one, and you know, I thought it was very interesting, and also thought nothing would happen too quickly. And then, uh, less than two months later, we have this Florida Supreme Court opinion, uh, essentially adopting the recommendations and and making some additional findings. And you know, we could talk about what the re- what the report said. That's available on the internet, and I'll link to it in the show notes. But 
now that we have a now that we have the Supreme Court weighing in on it, it's more interesting to talk about what did the, what did the Supreme Court say in their opinion, and there were a lot of uh, interesting recommendations in there. Well, I agree with you, and I'll put a little bit of a emphasis on the speed with which all those things happened. I mean, the the court appointed, I think it was a 15-member work group, basically three to a DCA, to make a recommendation. Between May and September, they did their work, created their report, and submitted it to the court. I kind of laugh, you know, I smile when I say all that, because I'm pretty sure I had briefs that were due in May that still aren't completed yet. Uh, and, you know, thank you for the extensions right. of time. Everyone. And, and, and yet in that time, this group came together, met, uh, did their work, produced a report, submitted it to the court. And as you said, now, I guess it was just before Thanksgiving, out comes the Supreme Court's, I'm not sure what it would be, an order, an opinion? Uh, it's an opinion, I think. It's listed as an opinion. And, and it basically adopts what the majority of that work group recommended, which was that a sixth DCA be created and that it, it adopted the geographic suggestions that the, the work group proposed, which are some uh, – we should talk through that because there's some fascinating things about the proposal. Yeah, yeah, there, there definitely are. I, I think uh, – Right. It was the redistricting and also a certification of a need for six additional DCA judges, which is another big, another big factor. Well, uh, sure. It's hard to picture there being a, a, a sixth DCA added without more judges being added to the bench. So it, that's exactly where things end up. They, I think the working assumption of the work group was that judges would remain where they currently reside, which is probably a, another way of, of saying they no one would be asked to move because of realignment. Uh, but that creates itself some, some interesting uh, potential changes to the makeup of the state because to add I, – I'll assume folks who are listening to this have the ability – if they haven't already seen the map, they have the ability to, to pull it up and look at it because it's – it's, it really is remarkable uh, when you start to break down the geography. The, the 6DCA, as proposed by the Supreme Court, and that's based on the recommendation of the work group, would basically consist of the Tampa Bay counties, the, the Tampa Bay circuits. Today's show is sponsored by Court Surety Bond Agency, the nation's leading surety agency specializing in supersedious bonds. If you have a client needing to stay enforcement of a judgment in Florida or any other state or federal court, contact CSBA. Chances are you don't deal with appellate bonds on a daily basis, but when you do, it's important and it's urgent. CSBA has an extensive collection of educational and reference materials on their website, including articles like, How Much Does an Appeal Bond Cost? or Using Real Estate to Secure Appeal Bonds, and even has a state-by-state guide to appeal bond requirements. But if you still have questions or just want to talk to a knowledgeable appellate bond specialist, call CSBA at 877-810-5525. Their contact information is always in the show notes, but I suggest you take an opportunity right now to add their contact information to your own contact list 
so you're ready the next time your client needs a court bond. CSBA is a national agency that assists with court bonds all over the United States, but has extensive experience in Florida. In addition to being a longtime sponsor of this podcast, CSBA is a premier sponsor of the Florida Bar's Appellate Practice Section. The next time your client needs a supersedious bond, please give Court Surety Bond Agency a call. These folks are experts in this area. They'll guide you and your client through the process, giving you one less thing to worry about. Yeah, the 6th DCA, the new 6th DCA, is essentially just a carve-out of uh, the 2nd DCA, right? Yes. It's interesting because the county is to the south end of the 2nd DCA, would would remain in the 2nd DCA, and, and the 2nd would really start down in Collier and, and geographically go straight up the middle of the state. So you'd have the 3rd and the 4th, and then the 5th the to the east, and you'd have the 6th to the west. And, and you would go from, from Naples basically uh, up through Polk and, and, and then you would pick up Orange, Osceola and then Orange, which used to be in the 5th District. So Orange was a major feeder of the 5th DCA's workload from its inception. And now, at least by this proposal, Orange would move to the 2nd, uh, which is very extraordinary. There are many judges on the 5th DCA who live in Orlando. Uh-huh. And, and if they remained in Orlando, at least following the way this is laid out, they would potentially become judges of the 2nd DCA. Yeah, it's interesting that really the 3rd the and the 4th are unaffected, right? right. The, the boundaries remain the same, but uh, it's a major reconfiguration of uh, the 2nd and the new sixth, and then of course uh, the fifth is expanded to include Duval County, which was very intentional. Um, if you read the opinion, the the perceived underrepresentation of Duval was a big factor, and the first DCA is essentially sort of cut off so that it's really just the Panhandle of Florida. It's it's Tallahassee and the Panhandle. Yeah, Jacksonville plays an interesting role here because it was discussed as a major impetus for the realignment, but it's not at all clear how things would play out. Like one of the things that's that's not in the recommendations to this point is where these DCAs would be headquartered, right? All, all this is a matter of statute. And for anyone who doesn't appreciate the, the legislature's role the Constitution provides for different levels of appellate courts or, or different levels of the court system. It's up to the legislature to create the specific uh, areas that are defined by whatever boundaries. And so the legislature has the ability to create, uh, in this case, the district courts of appeal uh, in a way that, that, that they choose. So, and, and that includes where the headquarters will be. So for let's say the 6th DCA, just kind of going there for a moment, it, the momentum is already extremely large that that would probably be in Pinellas, which is where it's been, the 2nd DCA has been moving towards now for, for multiple years. Right. Uh, as you get to the other DCAs, it gets more interesting. <laughs> it like, does. Where would the 2nd DCA, the new 2nd DCA's headquarters be? Uh, presumably, there'd be a 
another major push from Polk County to say it always was Lakeland. It should be Lakeland again. And, and maybe if Orange ends up in the second, Orange might have something to say about that. Yeah, it is interesting because Orange County is at the bitter north end of a very long <laughs> appellate district that runs up the backbone of the state. And the only other major you know, metropolitan area, I don't know if you'd even call, no offense, if you'd call Naples a major metropolitan area, but, but you know, that's at the very southern end of the district. So, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're trying to be uh, somewhat localized towards the towards the center towards accessibility i mean there is an argument for lakeland for sure i think there's an argument for a number of places if you're looking at geography because going all the way down to the the southern edge of 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 collier in in naples there uh that's a long way Mm -hmm. always a long way when when the second dca was in lakeland it's been a long way as the second dca has effectively been in tampa and it would still be a long way if it if the headquarters goes back to to Lakeland or or goes even further north, right? Into perhaps even into Orange. I, as a matter of just looking at the map, it's kind of intriguing to think you could live or work in in Fort Myers or or Naples and be in this, this new second DCA, have an oral argument scheduled in person, and drive to the court. And on your drive, you would drive through the sixth DCA. <laughs> You really would, because that's where the interstates go. Yep. <laughs> there, there may be a way to get there. Uh, and no, I, think, the I think you would most likely <laughs> take 75 north. Right. <laughs> the legislature, of course, can can do whatever it wants, right? This is a proposal. So you, you ought to, I think, assume that there will be lots of input from lots of, of interested persons uh inside and outside the legislature in terms of how this really should shake out. But if you just kind of assume that what we're looking at is, is, you know, realistic in terms of where the legislature might go with this, uh, it, it certainly seems they will take this very seriously and give it real consideration about doing this. Uh, and if they do, you end up with these discussions about, okay, do, do we go forward with building a courthouse in Clearwater or St. Petersburg? And, and do we build a new courthouse in, say, Lakeland or somewhere between there and Orlando? Uh, th- those are really interesting discussions. And just to finish that thought, I guess it's really not totally clear where the new 5th DCA would be headquartered. I mean, the, the current headquarters is still in the 5th DCA, so it could stay in, in Volusia, but that's sort of the southern end and certainly uh, – the Supreme Court's opinion would indicate some intention to you know, get more representation from Duval County. So would there be, you know, some interest in, but that's on the north end of the district. So, I mean, that that's, you know, it's an interesting question. What do they do? Yeah. If you assume that one of the reasons for the lower representation of Duval on the first DCA is that Duval is two hours from the, the first DCA's headquarters in Tallahassee, I don't know that it's much of an improvement for <laughs> Duval to become part of the 50 CA if the 50 CA's headquarters will be about two hours away in Daytona. Although it's a nicer drive down the beaches instead it's of a, just on I-10. It, it, it is a nicer drive. <laughs> but but you I mean you raise a, a really good point, which is that 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 has to be discussed too. And certainly the state is invested in Daytona. Uh, but that doesn't mean there won't be discussions about maybe that should be nudged up uh, more towards Duval. 
and a number of judges on the fifth are out of Brevard, which would you know is and, and would be the southern edge of the fifty CA. And the more you nudge that court north, <laughs> the more you may have some some you know, unhappiness out of the Brevard folks. I'm assuming that anybody who's listening to a podcast probably already read the opinion, but if they uh, if they haven't, they should. And they certainly shouldn't miss the, the dissenting opinion. It's interesting in something like this, um, Justice Polston was the only dissenting voice. And he wrote, you know, he wrote I would what I would call a vigorous dissent, uh, challenging some of the, the, the rationale of the court and, and raising some, you know, some interesting issues. I, I thought it was um, it was it was well written, his dissent. Yeah, they're they're all talented writers up there, right? And and right. I agree with you. Justice Polston uh, did a a very fair job of of raising counterpoints. And one of the most intriguing, I thought, was he, he pointed out that none of the chief judges of the five DCAs favored doing this. Yeah, that's the point he led with, and I think that that is an interesting point, but. I think that's also counterbalanced by the what you mentioned before, which is it's hard to create a new <laughs> a new appellate district without creating any new judges. But but yeah, that is an interesting point that none of the chief judges are asking for more judges. And just to put this in perspective a little bit, um, he he points this out in the dissent that in the last twenty years there's been a net increase of two judges, uh, you know, district uh, judges, appellate judges statewide. So. Adding six is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I think you would probably explain it as a necessary consequence of of shifting the geography of the districts. That's just what follows. And and part of that is also just being kind to our existing judges. You know, if you could take the – like. Like, like a game board, if you could just take it and shake it up and redo everything and, and not have to worry about relocating you know, judges or staff or, or, or others involved with the courthouses, then sure, you, you probably would do things a, a bit different than the way they are now. And, and, and how you'd expand would put you in a different place than, than where this would take you currently. But, but that's not the real world we live in. We've got existing people who've you know built homes and built lives around certain areas and and I think that part of the balancing is to to try to make sure we accommodate the existing uh, judges and the existing staff and the existing structures yeah I, I agree I think that it's a concession to the reality of, of, of trying to treat the existing judges and, and employees of the court properly and I think everybody agrees right that no uh, Judicial positions are going to be decertified. Uh, no one's going to lose their job. Uh, nobody should have to move <laughs> where they live, and uh, and that's great. And I think that that's the right result. To you know, that's the respectful way to do it. But it does it, it will probably create some difficulties in in managing that. Oh, I, administratively, I, I I'm not sure what the right term is to use, and I'm hesitant to pick anything because it might sound a bit overdone. But it would be, it would be very challenging to to see this through. I think that's that's inevitable. Another thing that I think will be interesting is the 
you know, sort of the jurisdictional issues caused by redrawing these maps. You know, it, now those of us who are in Florida are sort of already familiar with this uh, because of the Fifth Circuit split in 1981 or whatever that was when the Fifth split into the the Fifth and the Eleventh. And so there becomes this issue about what what cases are binding, you know, in the in the eleventh, uh, since it was no history before that. But it's pretty easy there because you just know before nineteen eighty one, any Fifth Circuit cases are going to be binding uh, in Florida. But this is going to become a little bit more complicated with uh, three three appellate districts uh, shifting around. Yeah, that's a great point. And from a practitioner's perspective, it really is fascinating. How does this play out? And, and to some extent, you know, from the judges' perspectives themselves, it's fascinating how this plays out. When the 5th was broken up to create the 11th, it was a clean split, right? Three states were carved off the 5th Circuit yep. and, and became the new 11th Circuit. And then the judges really helped things out by sitting – and bank and deciding that prior to whatever that date was, I mean, October of 81, or I forget, uh -huh. it's, you know, Bonner versus city of Pritchard, which has probably been cited tens of thousands of times. <laughs> um, but that was the case where they sat in bank and said that all decisions issued by the fifth circuit um, prior to such and such date are, are binding on the 11th. And so it did have a way of, of, of you know, creating some, predictability in terms of what the law would be in the 11th circuit, because we knew it would be out of the fifth. Uh, Florida doesn't have that history. Uh, when the, the DCAs were, the three were originally created, they, they did what they did. And uh, when the fifth, I, I was a law clerk at the fifth DCA out of law school. And, and I can recall the plaque on the, the front of the courthouse uh, where I used to clerk, uh, they sort of commemorated the the creation of the fifth and listed the judges who were the initial judges on the court. And and even though the fifth really came out of the fourth in large part, uh, and multiple judges from the fourth went to the fifth as it was created, uh, they didn't adopt the fourth DCA's case law or anyone's case law. Now, parts of the, the fifth came out of the second, so perhaps they could have adopted the second's case law, but they didn't adopt anyone's case law. They just went forward and, and created their own. This would be even more, uh, let's see, I'll look for a kind term, uh, <laughs> peculiar, <Yeah. laughs> maybe. Be, 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 well, look at it this way. The, the And who knows how this really plays out, right? The legislative process is its own sort of fantastic uh, system. But if you assume for the sake of discussion that the map that has been proposed becomes the actual new DCA map for Florida, the sixth DCA would consist of 13 or so judges who used to be on the second DCA, all okay. of them. And yet they would come over to the the sixth DCA and not necessarily be bound by anything that, that bound them while they were at the second DCA. And, and there'd be a number of judges from the fifth DCA who live in Orlando who might be moved into sort of a newly uh, reconstituted or constituted second DCA uh, who I suppose would be bound by the second DCA's prior case law. And uh, that's really, uh, 
peculiar, I think, from the judge's point of view. And from a practitioner's point of view, it's it, it would be, I, I think, a little challenging to both keep track of and to use as a matter of argument in cases. Yeah. Yeah. No, it will, it will be interesting to see, you know, if all this comes to fruition, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because yeah, it's, it's not just, it's a little bit easier maybe in, in the six cause it's carved out of the second and the answer is one or the other, either they're bound by the second DCA <laughs> precedents because they were part of the second DCA or, or they're brand new and they, they get to start fresh, but it gets more complicated. Like you were saying on the, between the fifth and the second, where you've got some overlap and it will be very interesting. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more as these things play out. And maybe, you know, as advocates, it gives us uh, something to argue about, <laughs> which is always well, a good thing. We certainly enjoy that, right? For sure. Uh, yeah. Another potential angle on that is, is whose decision is that? There might be some folks in the legislature who had an interest in the question, although there probably would be a response from some that the separation of powers says that's a matter for the judiciary to decide. And then within the judiciary, who decides that, you know, some might think the Supreme Court might be the one who needs to weigh in on that. Uh, others might take the view that let the, the DCAs decide for themselves how that's going to work. I mean, they... They have the ability to sit and bank to recede from their prior decisions today. So why couldn't they sit and bank to decide what will be their precedent or what won't be their precedent? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. It will be very interesting to watch how it all, how it all plays out. Hey, Matt, thank you for, for coming on and talking about some of these things. Uh, like I said, there's more, more questions uh, than answers. There's really no answers yet. But uh, I think the questions are worth thinking about, and we will see over time how these things all play out. Well, great to be here again, Dwayne. And again, congratulations to you on a, a fantastic podcast. Thanks, Matt. Special thanks to Matt Canigliaro for yet another appearance on the Issues on Appeal podcast. Remember, podcasts are never legal advice, and nothing that I say or my guests say should ever be interpreted as legal advice for any particular situation. But if you're a lawyer who needs the help of an appellate lawyer, I'm happy to try and help. And please consider using our sponsor, Court Surety Bond Agency, for your client's appellate bond needs. When you need a bond, you often need it quickly. CSBA's contact information is in the show notes. Please take a moment now, add it to your contact so that you're ready when your client needs a supersedious bond. I apologize for the long delay since the last episode. Things got busy, and I didn't have anything really compelling to say. Maybe even a little COVID burnout. It's certainly been interesting times. However, there are a couple new episodes in the works, and this week's topic will certainly need more discussion as things develop. I hope that you will continue to download and listen. Thank you for considering this week's Issues on Appeal. 